Grace Church. Good morning, everybody. Can we give Pastor Aaron a hand? Man, he has been preaching up a storm. His, his, the Lion Sermon Series has challenged me a lot. And leading the church is a 24-7, 365 days a year job. So I've been so thankful for him. Thankful for each of you. Welcome. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving in preparation for this lesson. I thought you might be surprised to learn some facts about Thanksgiving. Did you know that there are 46 million turkeys consumed on Thanksgiving Day? True story. Uh, Americans also purchase, get this, 80 million pounds of cranberries every Thanksgiving. That's, that's crazy. Some of y'all eating more than your fair share of cranberries over the Thanksgiving holiday. We also purchase... 214 million, with an M, pounds of potatoes Thanksgiving season. My family, I feel like we ate 14 million of those 214 million pounds. We ate us some potatoes at the Langhofer household. Um, there, there has long been a rumor, maybe you've heard this, that the average American gains five pounds over Thanksgiving. Have you heard this? So some researchers in 2015 were interested in seeing whether or not that that's true. And so they did a cross-sectional survey of a representative sample of the American population. And what they found, 2015, New England Journal of Medicine, is that on average you probably gained a little bit less than a pound over the Thanksgiving holiday. Somebody say amen right there. That's, that is good news. That's something to be grateful for. And gratitude is what I want to chat with you a little bit about today. So our Thanksgiving holiday and the Christmas season are kind of all to a degree centered around this idea of gratitude. And one of my favorite verses about gratitude, a verse that lots of us reflect on this time of year is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll put it up on the screen for you here. And here's what the verse says. You probably heard this before. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful uh, section of scripture, beautiful piece of writing. And I think for some people, um, this may come easily, right? I think maybe there are people walking around planet Earth that find this to be easy, but then there are the rest of us. And most of us are like the rest of us, as we say here at Trace Church. And for lots of us, uh, rather than the holiday season reminding us of our blessing, uh, the holiday season induces thoughts that provoke feelings of sadness or, or, or bring up memories that remind us of pain. And so for lots of us, rather than a season of like joy and, and blessing, the holidays are a season of struggle, perhaps even suffering. And, and when that's combined with the pressure, we all kind of feel to be uh, uh, grateful. It can make us feel a touch worse over the holiday season. And interestingly enough, that's the exact situation that the group of people Paul writes his letter, uh, Thessalonians, to find themselves in. That's the same situation. So let me give you a little bit of that story, and I'll, I'll go back kind of to the beginning. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to the earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He appeared to a lot of his followers, and then he ascended to heaven. 
And after Jesus ascended, his followers were telling everybody that he was the Messiah. And so other people started to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And the church as we know it began. And this is something that the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the Jewish religious leaders, were homicidally angry about. Because Jesus and Christianity uh, was threatening the socio-political religious system of the Jews of Jesus' day. And so the Jews of Jesus' day, the religious leaders among the Jews especially, began to persecute the earliest Christians and the earliest churches. And one of the Jewish people who was known for like the most brutal persecution was the Apostle Paul. And one day he's walking to a small town and he's going to go put some Christians in jail or worse. And as as he's walking to this small town called Damascus, He has a radical encounter with Jesus. And shortly after he becomes a Christian, he surrenders his life to the message of the gospel. And for the rest of his life, he goes traveling around uh, uh, the world as he knows it and, and tells people that Jesus is the Messiah and he plants churches. And one of the towns he happens through is called Thessalonica. And when he shows up to Thessalonica, he walks into the synagogue which is kind of like the Jewish version of a church. And for three days, he preaches to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And so it occurred to me, like the Apostle Paul preaches three-day-long sermons. Maybe that's what Trace Church needs today is a Dr. T three-day-long marathon sermon. And then I felt the Lord whisper into my heart, no, don't do that to them. They're not ready for that kind of punishment, Dr. T. So I'm not going to preach a three-day-long sermon, but there is a biblical precedent for long sermons, and I thought that was important to point out since I had that opportunity. So for three days, Paul's in the synagogue, and he's preaching about Jesus, and lots of people believe the message, and they decide to surrender their lives to Jesus. But not everybody. And the people that didn't were angry. And so that story is found in the book of Acts, chapter 17. But I want to read the fifth verse of Acts 17. So Paul's in Thessalonica. He's been teaching for three days. Some people believe, but other Jews get jealous. And so they round up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and they started a riot in the city, which is Thessalonica. And they rushed to Jason's house which is where Paul and his traveling companion Silas were said to have been staying, they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. And Trace Church, can I just tell you that the crowd was not going to offer Paul and Silas a Thanksgiving meal of turkey, cranberry sauce, and mashed potatoes. They were going to beat Paul and Silas, perhaps stone them, and drag them outside of the city. So Paul and Silas hide, night falls, and then Paul and Silas leave the city. But who did they leave in Thessalonica? It was that small church of brand new Christians. They were left there, and there was a mob in Thessalonica going door to door saying, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And if the answer was yes, people could lose their jobs, 
They could be thrown in jail. They could even be killed. It was tough being a Christian in Thessalonica when Paul wrote this letter. People were suffering. And so after Paul leaves, he's like wondering how they're doing and he's worried about them. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to send them a letter and I'm going to say some things to them about how they can get through a really tough season, a season of suffering, a season of struggle, a season of agony. And so he writes them a letter and what he tells them about how to deal with suffering is rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's, that's his advice to people who are in, in fear for their very lives. And the answer to that overwhelmingly is yes. So in 2016, there were two researchers who were also interested in that idea. Like, how can people who are in the middle of a season of suffering, who are in the middle of a season of struggle, how can those people improve their sense of well-being? And so they decided they were going to see what effect gratitude had on people who were suffering. And most of the research on gratitude is done with people who are already like destructively optimistic. And they ask those people, how is it that you are the way that you are, right? How, do you, how are you so optimistic all the time? But it hasn't been uh, studied very often in terms of the effect gratitude has on people who are struggling. And so these two researchers, whose names were Joel and Joshua, that's purely coincidental, uh, they asked a bunch of counselors to ask their clients if their clients would be willing to participate in a study about gratitude. So hundreds of people agreed to participate, and they took the people who participated in this study, and they grouped them into three groups. The first group just continued with counseling. They didn't do anything differently. The second group was asked to keep a daily gratitude journal and to write one gratitude letter to a person each week for three weeks. They didn't have to send it. They just had to write it. And the third group was asked to keep a record of the deepest thoughts they had related to their most painful experiences in life. So those are the three groups. And what they found is that the group that wrote about their deepest thoughts related to their most negative experiences had the most improvement in their well-being. Nah, I'm kidding. That's not what happened. What happened in the study is what they thought would happen. The people that, that recorded a daily gratitude journal and wrote uh, one gratitude letter to a person each week for three weeks, those people had the biggest improvement in their mood, but there were two things that were really interesting that they learned over the course of the study. And the first is that not only does practicing gratitude improve your positive thinking, it also decreases your negative thinking and it increases your sense of feeling connected in a community. So every day, these uh, researchers would interview the people who participated in the study, and what they noticed over time is that in the interviews they did with the gratitude group, their positive words increased, the use of their use of negative words decreased, and their use of community-oriented words like we, us, or ours 
increased. So gratitude didn't just improve the mood, it also decreased the negative thoughts and increased the feeling of connectedness the people who were being grateful felt towards their community. Really cool. The second thing that's really interesting that they learned is that after one week, there was no observable improvement in mood between any of the groups. After one week, everybody looked the same. But after the fourth week, the gratitude group looked significantly more improved in self-reported measures of well-being. And by the 12th week, the gratitude group looked exponentially improved in self-reported measures of well-being. And so for gratitude really to take root, you got to stick with it. And that would be a good exercise for any of you to practice weekly, uh, a daily gratitude journal and a weekly gratitude letter, whether you send it or not, and stick with it for at least 12 weeks. Gratitude works. Gratitude's wonderful. And it's life-changing. That's what Paul was trying to teach the church in Thessalonica after he left. He's like, hey, you're going through the midst of suffering and struggle But if you'll be grateful in all circumstances, what you'll find is that that improves your sense of well-being. So do it, rejoice always, pray continually, and be grateful in all circumstances. And that sounds really good, right? But what the heck does that actually mean, church? So we got to read the whole letter Paul wrote to his friends in Thessalonica to figure that out. So the first thing Paul means when he's saying give thanks in all circumstances is that gratitude is less about what and it's more about who. Gratitude's less about what and it's more about who. Trace Church, the what's in life will let you down. The what's in life will let you down. If you are grateful for your health, eventually you'll struggle with your health and you'll be disappointed. If you're grateful for your financial situation, something crazy will happen and you'll find that you have more month left at the end of the money and you'll feel disappointed. The only thing that I could think that wouldn't disappoint you in life this side of heaven was a football referee, right? Because they never make a mistake. I'm teasing. Yeah, all the what's in life will disappoint you and let you down. But there is a who in life. There is a person that won't let you down. And his name is Jesus. And one of the reasons the holidays are so difficult for some of us is because of the empty seats we find around our tables. And those empty seats either symbolize relationships that were fractured and no longer exist, which is very painful, or those empty seats symbolize loved ones who have passed. And and Paul was very sensitive to that idea as far as his friends in Thessalonica were concerned. He knew the persecution they faced was very real. And he knew what it could mean if a person was going to be willing to be outspoken about their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah could cost someone their life. So Paul wanted people to know that even in death, Jesus does not disappoint. If we back up a couple of paragraphs in 1 Thessalonians 4. Here's what Paul tells his friends. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep. And I'll pause right here. 
because in Jesus we have the blessing of resurrection, then for Paul there really is no such thing as death for a Christian. To him it's just like we fall asleep for a little while and then when Jesus comes back we wake up. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, it, for those who have fallen asleep, I don't want you to grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The what's in life will let you down. They'll disappoint you that your expectations won't be met. But Jesus won't disappoint you. He didn't just conquer life, Trace Church. He also conquered death. And so even in death, we can hope in Jesus Christ and find a reason to give thanks and even be grateful. And that's the second thing that Paul is trying to teach the church at Thessalonica, that gratitude is less about for and more about in. Gratitude's less about for and more about in. It's honesty time, Trace Church. You have to admit there are some things in life that you are not grateful for. I'm gonna share a couple of mine. First, I am not grateful that I got chronic pain in my knees and my back. I'm not grateful for that. I am not grateful that despite the fact that Pastor Aaron is like decades older than me, his hairline looks younger than my hairline looks. I'm not grateful for that. All right, but seriously, I'm not grateful for the mistakes I've made in the past. And I'm not grateful for the things that you're going through right now. And I know the situations a lot of you are facing. I'm not grateful for the things you're going through that are hurting you. But Paul's trying to teach us that we don't have to be thankful for all circumstances, but we can be grateful in any circumstance, even facing valleys as dark as the valley of the shadow of death itself. And we have this colloquialism we use in our culture, misery loves company. Well, the way the Bible puts it, it's actually that gratitude loves company. And so where Paul is at at the time he's writing to his friends in Thessalonica, he's also being persecuted. He's also suffering, and he's also experiencing some agony and uncertainty. And when he hears that not only has that angry mob not caused them to renounce their faith, but instead it strengthened it, He's like, in, in 1 Thessalonians 3, he writes this. He's like, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, in all the suffering we were enduring, in all our agony, and all our misery, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And that for now, we really live since you're standing firm in the, in the Lord. And another way of saying we really live is like saying, you've given us new life. You've turbocharged us. You've encouraged us. We now feel like we can persevere. We now feel like we can endure. We now feel like we can keep going because we see that you're enduring and you're persevering and you're standing strong. We're encouraged and we're gonna stand strong. Which is why at Trace, we wanna gather together corporately in agreement and worship Jesus Christ as Lord. Trace Church. When I learn about something going on in your life that's causing suffering and I see you holding fast to your faith, 
that, I can't tell you how much that encourages me. And that encouragement fills me with gratitude for your faith and it gives me a little bit of new life. Just enough motivation and a sense of perseverance to keep going. And that's the importance of community. Gratitude loves company. That's one way to stay grateful in all circumstances is by doing it in community with other people who are fighting similar battles. It takes our attention off us and helps us realize it's not really about us anyway. And that's the last thing that Paul is teaching his friends in Thessalonica. He says, hey, gratitude is less about our faithfulness and it's more about God's faithfulness. So as he's wrapping up his letter, I wanna pull 1 Thessalonians 5.23 on the screen for you. As he's wrapping up his letter, here's how he begins his conclusion to some of his closest friends, some of the people he's most concerned about in life. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this section of scripture right here. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So this, this is a time of year where we get into like this box checking mentality, right? Some of the boxes, one of the boxes is like the gift box. And so you gotta be thinking like, what, what are the gifts I'm gonna give to the people I love and the people that are in my life? That's the gift box, you gotta check that box. Another box is the food box. What are we gonna cook and how are we gonna feed these people and where am I gonna find cranberry sauce because American citizens just bought 80 million pounds of the stuff for Thanksgiving. You're also thinking maybe of checking the travel box. How am I gonna get to visit family or how's family gonna come visit me and how are we gonna navigate illnesses and all that stuff? Some of us are checking the comparison box, unfortunately. How does what I'm gonna be doing for the holidays compare with what other people are gonna be doing? How does what I get compare with other people are getting? How does what we're eating compare with what other people are eating? And man, it just begins to feel like so much pressure and so much stress. And a lot of us can approach our, our Christian life with that same check the box mentality. And so this is confession time for Dr. T. That was my mentality for probably the first 10 years of my Christian walk. I was a do-it-yourselfer Christian. Some of you were do-it-yourselfers too, right? And you were trying to earn forgiveness by checking all the right boxes. And then you were trying to sanctify yourself by doing the same thing, checking all the right boxes. And like I said, for probably the first 10 years of my Christian walk, that worked okay for me, surprisingly, until I hit a wall and, and, and it broke me. And at that moment, I realized, man, it's not about Trent's faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. It's not about Trent adding more boxes to his daily or weekly to-do list. Listen to this, church. It's about taking away boxes. 
And so I'm, I am now a recovering do-it-yourselfer kind of a Christian. And I'd like to suggest to you that you, you try out the same approach. And rather than add a bunch of boxes to your daily or weekly checklist, erase some. Because it's not about your faithfulness through which you're sanctified. It's, it's through the faithfulness of God. That's what Paul is saying. The God of peace will not just sanctify you a little bit. He will sanctify you through and through, completely. And you can't earn your forgiveness, but the God of peace will forgive you so much that you look blameless when Christ comes back to redeem you. So this holiday season, don't do more. Do less. And in so doing, you'll gain a new appreciation, a new gratefulness for God's faithfulness. And so here's what I hope you'll do. This I'm serious about this. I hope this holiday season you will visualize yourself resting in the arms of your loving Father God who is great in mercy and letting Him sanctify you. Not trying to sanctify yourself, letting Him do it and, and letting Him forgive you. Not trying to earn your forgiveness. And so it's with that idea that I want to lead us into our response time. So if you're new to Trace, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to have you. And we would love uh, for you to participate in our response time. And so for us here at Trace, what that means is that we invite you to take communion with us as a church. And there are communion tables set up at the four corners of this auditorium. They're right underneath those crosses that are laid on their side. And at Trace, we look at those crosses and we think of the cross we each need to carry that Jesus is calling us to carry to be his disciple. But, but this morning, I want you to look at those crosses and I want you to think, I want you to visualize your spiritual to-do list, your spiritual checklist. And I want you to think about Jesus carrying each one of those crosses off that page. And I want you to think of just resting in a loving God who is full of grace and mercy. And I want you to think about you not having to do it, but that he's gonna do it through you, in and through you. He's gonna sanctify you and he's gonna make you blameless. That's what Paul wanted the church at Thessalonica to know. Hey, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of misery, in the midst of agony, it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done and is doing through you. Man, and that's where we find great joy. And that's where we find a new gratitude. And so I'm gonna pray. And when I pray, I invite you to, I want you to visualize that those boxes just being crossed off the list. And I want you to just think of breathing deeply of God's grace and love and of him being faithful and of him sanctifying you because he is faithful and he will do it. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you uh, just so thankful that Jesus Christ never disappoints us, that in community we can be grateful in all circumstances, and that, God, you are faithful, and you will sanctify us, and you will forgive us. 
So I just ask that as we enter into this time of response as a church, that we would all just envision our spiritual to-do list, all the boxes that we feel like we got to check. And we just see Jesus carrying them each off the page. And I just ask that you would help us as a church just feel you embrace us and that we could just breathe deeply of your love and your grace and your mercy and let us be encouraged and let us be grateful as a church and let us just carry that visual with us throughout this holiday season. God, we love you. We are so thankful for your love for us and we're thankful for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.